The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you ever stopped to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful to be here with and for you today. You are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in literally every corner of the world. Thank you for being here with and for me and for continuing to spread the word to your friends, relatives, and colleagues. A special note of gratitude goes to our listeners around the world in Iran, Argentina, and the Republic of Korea and in the states of South Carolina, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Welcome and thank you all for your continuing support because you keep tuning in and listening. Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit is a top-ranked show here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the oldest and most widely listened to online talk radio network. Thank you for listening and making this show success possible. Now for your tip for the week from my ebook, 33 Tips for Self-Empowerment. I wrote this book because when you are self-empowered, you are connected to your limitless higher self, your soul, as you learn to hear the still small voice within over the loud voices of others, you will begin to feel at peace because your limitless higher self has direct access to the divine. It is through this connection that miracles occur like unexpected healing, healthy relationships, peace, and wealth. So please use these tips. My tip for this week is in honor of our topic today. Be positive. The person we judge the most is ourselves. Listen for the ways in which you criticize yourself and others. When you think or hear a negative thought, turn it into a positive. For instance, replace I'm stupid with I know a lot of things. Make compassionate, life-affirming choices begins with self-compassion. As we learn to be kind to ourselves and stop judging ourselves, we automatically are kinder to others, less judgmental, more forgiving and compassionate. We are all human and in process, which means none of us are perfect. Giving ourselves a break on the road to becoming the best version of ourselves we can be allows us to give others a break. Spreading 
finding love means loving ourselves, respecting ourselves, and then doing the same toward others. When we say love thy neighbor as thyself, what do we really mean? We can only give as much love to our neighbor as we have for ourselves. Therefore, it is imperative that we begin the journey of making compassionate, life-affirming choices by filling ourselves with love. I truly appreciate the notes of gratitude I received from the class that I did last week, the Um Awakening. And next week, I'll be doing Financial Abundance, What You Don't Know. Financial abundance is a gift of love from the divine. As a child of infinite love, it is your birthright. All you have to do is remove the hidden blocks to receiving. Know you are deserving and open the door. Since there are numerous layers of consciousness from the surface levels of the conscious mind to the deepest levels of the unconscious mind, the process of bringing financial abundance into your life does not always happen immediately. Commitment, patience faith, trust, and gratitude are the keys to nurturing your path to lasting financial abundance. What makes this financial abundance workshop different is that during our time together, you will discover and remove your hidden blocks, experience the feeling of deserving, open your mind and heart to receiving, learn how to recognize and be grateful every step along the way, and get techniques to use on your own. We'll be um, doing this on Sunday, October 16. If you don't live in Dallas, contact me to present this workshop or the I'm Awakening, Embodying the Divine Feminine or another one in your area. And looking ahead, I'll be leading a labyrinth walk in November. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. We can all choose happiness, gratitude, abundance, love, peace, and positivity as we allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life and let it go then we can truly experience the energy in our body of being fully alive in the moment. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field, like our guest today, Stefan Schwartz, who will be talking about creating change by making compassionate, life-affirming choices. Last week's show with Dr. Becky Thompson was about the change she has been creating by making compassionate, life-affirming choices. She does so by helping people heal trauma through yoga. Not only does she help people in the United States, but every summer she goes abroad to help refugees. This is her true passion, and you can feel it when she talks. Yoga can 
can touch places that words can't. When we experience trauma of any kind, we move into survival mode and don't have time to process what's happening. Consequently, painful emotions and experiences often get stuck in our body, creating physical pain. Yoga helps us release the trauma and the pain. As often happens with trauma survivors, we have people in our lives who recreate negative feelings. This is particularly hurtful when it's yoga teachers who are the people who are supposed to be helping us. Becky doesn't shy away from this difficult topic and emphasizes how the people who train yoga teachers must take responsibility for training them to be compassionate and life-affirming in their roles as teachers. It is also our responsibility as yoga students to stop going to teachers who are not compassionate and to find those who are. After the show, I got this beautiful note from Becky. Dear Paula, I have had the good fortune of doing many radio interviews for my books and activist work, but this is the first interview where we really got to talk afterwards. Usually I finish and feel kind of empty, all that energy and dialogue, and then poof, it's gone. Today I didn't feel that. Instead, I felt connected with real sharing and gliding to an end rather than an abrupt stop. Thank you for this intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally rich connection. To listen to this show, I encourage you to click on the episode link. You can hear this show or any others that you may have missed or want to listen to again. That's the beauty of having the shows on demand. You have easy access any time of day or night, allowing you to listen when it fits your schedule or needs. Now it's time for my silver lining story. During our September 1 show, James Van Prague said that he likes to take the high road. There's less traffic up there. Not only is there less traffic, but taking the high road changes who you are, which changes your energy, thereby changing the world. He made the fascinating observation that we can never really understand what another person's experience was that caused them to say or do a certain thing. Nevertheless, when we are treated in ways that feel disrespectful or even abusive, it is challenging to take the high road. Recently, I was participating in a group meditation for world peace. Given the topic, I felt that a comment about the election was appropriate, but the room got very quiet and I literally felt an icy coldness on the side of the room where our leader was sitting. He said that he would not allow any conversation about the election because it created too much negative energy. I had a real struggle within myself about being silenced. I had spent too many years in that situation. I wasn't sure what to do. Someone suggested we do a meditation to clear the energy and bring in love. That was actually very helpful. During the meditation, I heard the message that the leader's judgment caused the energy to become cold and that I needed to forgive him and love him unconditionally. In fact, isn't accepting our differences necessary for world peace as long as we don't harm others? I realized in that moment that whether any harm was created actually depended on what I did with this situation. I could choose judgment, hurt, and anger, or I could choose acceptance, forgiveness, and unconditional love. 
part of my silver lining was to acknowledge that I had done nothing wrong. For me, that was new behavior. If something I said created a problem, normally I would have assumed that I had been to blame. But that wasn't the case. I hit a nerve that I didn't know was exposed. It was a bit like walking into a minefield and stepping on a mine that was hidden underground. Having compassion for the leader of the group and myself led to my being able to forgive him. The silver lining was letting go of the drama and the judgment, accepting him and where he was in that moment, giving him the space to grow as I had grown and actually contribute to world peace by making compassionate, life-affirming decisions decisions. Our guest today, Stephanie Schwartz, is a distinguished consulting faculty member at Saybrook University, a research associate of the Laboratories for Fundamental Research, editor of the daily web publication SchwartzReport.net, and columnist for the peer-reviewed research journal Explore, the author of four books and more than a hundred technical papers. He was has also written articles for Smithsonian, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Huffington Post. His latest book is The Eight Laws of Change, How to Be an Agent of Personal and Social Transformation. If you are enjoying this show, I encourage you to Click on the link to like us on Facebook. In addition to posting all of our shows, I post special uplifting messages to you and I repost videos that will make you laugh, feel good about all the kindness in the world, fill your heart with the beauty of nature and animals, the delight of dance and music, and the joy of being alive. With all of the viciousness and fear that is being spread, we must find a way to keep ourselves positive. Only like and follow the people who add positivity to the world. The answer to hate is love. Use the link on this page to like us on Facebook, then friend Paula Joyce, and I will help you be part of the solution. I am your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and we are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. While listening to the commercials, click on the link to read about and register for financial abundance, what you don't know or to schedule one in your area. Then click on your link to learn more about our Dallas Trauma Survivors Conference with Dr. Becky Thompson. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Stephan Schwartz, who will talk with us about creating change by making compassionate, life-affirming choices. America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals. Solve your most challenging problems 
and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. That's drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I always appreciate hearing from you, my listeners, and as a top-ranked show, when you choose to advertise with me, you reach hundreds of thousands of people. If this interests you, please call one 866 472 5795 or send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. I value you and what you have to say, so please let me know what's on your mind and heart. And I'm so pleased to welcome Stefan Schwartz, who's here to talk with us about how you can create personal and social transformation. Welcome, Stefan. Hi, Paula. How are you doing? Great. It truly is a pleasure to have you on. I love the work that you're doing, and I know your interest came out of a personal experience, your interest in nonviolent transformation. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Well, four times in my life I've been involved with changing history. In the 50s and 60s, it was the Civil Rights Movement, and I was just a teenager uh, and a young man in his early 20s, so mostly what I did was get arrested. (laughs) (laughs) In the the 70s, my interest uh, was that I was asked to be the special assistant to the chief of naval operations and to be part of the team that transformed the American military from the Vietnam-era conscription organization to the all-volunteer meritocracy we have today. And in the 80s, it was citizen diplomacy. A group of us set up back channels that allowed the Soviet Union and the United States to talk to one another, 
because we were concerned that we were going to blow each other up. And through all of that, I guess, the consciousness revolution and its first cousin, the ecological movement, where we began to shift the way we look at the earth and stop thinking of it as an exploitable bank account over which we have dominion and instead begin to recognize it as a matrix of life in which we are just one species playing in the biosphere. And I guess currently I'm particularly focused on uh, the thriving community uh, trend, trying to help communities to find ways to effectively deal with the well-being of the individuals who are part of the community, because it is my belief that the function of the state is to, to foster wellness. And I wrote The Eight Laws of Change, the, my new book, precisely because I wanted to make the case that, that ordinary people without great wealth or official position or armies or whatever could, in fact, create wellness by the choices that they made and that this was the most productive pathway for us to pursue as a country. I think, though, especially you know, as I'm listening to how you got involved in nonviolence transformation, that you really were in positions of authority. And there is so much going on now that um, scares so many of us. The um, verbal violence that's going on in the presidential campaign in the United States, the physical violence that's going on all over the world that seems to be getting worse. And I'm just this person, you know, who gets up, goes to work and lives a normal life. How is it that I can be somebody who makes that big a difference? Well, there, there are several things to bear in mind, Paula. But the first thing is is that nonviolent change succeeds 75% of the time, whereas violent change only succeeds 25% of the time, and it doesn't last very long. I mean, if you think about it, think about the Soviet Union, for instance. When you and I were growing up, it was this great monolithic force that seemed to be eternal, that was always going to be there, and that there was this great threat. And in fact, the Soviet Union disappeared. It only lasted 73 years. That's less than a single person's lifetime. Or you look at National Socialism in Germany. I mean, the Nazi movement only lasted, depending on how you calculate it, 10 or 20 years. So these things that we see as as huge forces, monolithic forces that can't be resisted by ordinary people, in fact, are incredibly vulnerable to changes in citizen consciousness. Because the reality is that the most powerful force on Earth is the collective intention of ordinary people. And I can give you an example of that, actually several, but I'll just give you one. Look at the difference that has happened in the last two years in the transition between gay and LGBT. If you, if you look at this, what you discover is that 
nobody said we're now going to say LGBT instead of gay. The president didn't go on television and make an announcement. No law was passed by the Congress. And yet something happened. And what happened is, is that thousands and thousands of ordinary people began to think about this issue and decided that instead of saying gay, they would say LGBT. You can tr track this by looking at Google word counts. And that is not just a change in a term. That's a change in an entire way of thinking of gender and sexuality to bring people who were formerly in the closet, as we used to say, into the mainstream of the culture. Now, the violence that is occurring, I propose, is occurring because there are several megatrends that are going on. One is that for the first time in 500 years, being born white will not confer privilege. Now, I'm a... Caucasian, you're a Caucasian, so we don't think about this very much. But trust me, you talk to a person of color, and they're very aware of this. And for the first time, being born white is not going to automatically give you a get-out-of-jail card. And that is causing an enormous amount of stress. The United States is becoming a majority-minority country, and some states already are. So for people who are used to things being a certain way, they are frightened and, and alarmed that they are changing. And we can see this same thing also playing itself out in terms of gender issues. Look at the, at the sort of hysterical, violent, angry, nasty uh, attempts to control women's bodies. I mean, it's weird. If men were the ones who had children and they had to undergo the kinds of controls women do, particularly poor women, I mean, you'd have a huge uprising. But these are all responses to change. And then, of course, beneath it all, the great sort of baseline drumbeat is the, is the coming climate change, which people are only now dimly becoming aware of, and still large numbers of people find it so frightening that they just simply uh, deny it. We are facing a, an epic of enormous transition, and we are in a state of fear, and the fear is what leads to the violent language in the electoral process. It's what leads to the fear and, and violence that we see all over the world as, as, for instance, the Islamic cultures collapse because they're not competitive. They don't, they, you know, if you look at patents, for instance, that's a good example. More patents are issued to Japan in a year, than, as an example, than in the Middle East as a whole in a decade. So those cultures and the young people, as the media and as the Internet has spread across the planet, young people, millennials, can see that in other countries people are living much better lives and they're unhappy about it. And so they're striking out and those forces which want things to continue are trying to suppress them. That's where all this violence comes from. And then underneath that, again, the climate issue, because 
much of what's going on in the Middle East is really battles over water, because water is destiny. It's either too much water, as in sea rise, or too little water, as in drought. So we're really fighting for our lives in a way and for things to stay what they are. We're in the middle of chaos that leads to change and maybe the darkest hour is just before the dawn. Well, I don't know about the darkest hour, but I would say that we are quite genuinely in a civilization-threatening transition. And how this is going to come out is not at all clear. And that's why, again, that's why I wrote The Eight Laws of Change, because I wanted ordinary people to be able to be empowered to show them how you can create change. Because, as I said earlier, the the most powerful force in the world is the collective intention of ordinary people. You know, the little quotidian choices that we make every day have enormous impact. We don't realize that. I mean, when you go in to buy a tube of toothpaste, you know, mostly what you buy is the toothpaste your mother told you to use or your roommate at college or uh, in the Army told you to use, something like that. You just don't even think about it. You just go in and buy that one. But in fact, you're exercising a choice, a little quotidian choice. The word means ordinary, mundane, daily and we make these little choices all the time, hundreds of them every day. And we don't, first of all, we're not even aware we're making choices. And second of all, of the, we don't realize what the implications of the choices are. I mean, when you go in to buy a, a roll of toilet paper, do you think, does this company pay its employees well? Does it uh, provide decent health care for its employees? Is it ecologically sensitive? I mean, all of those questions are important questions. No, we just go in and grab whatever it is we're used to. So what I tried to argue in the eight laws was you can change that. If you make different choices and if you tell your friends that you're making different choices and invite them to do the same, you can collectively make a huge impact. And you can look at one group of people, the Quakers, for instance, and see this tiny little group of people. Uh, there are less than 87,000 Quakers in the United States today. It's such a small group of people that most people have never met one, have no idea what they believe, don't know anything about them. I mean, they know them on Quaker Oats, I guess, but nobody really knows very much about them unless you happen to know one. And because they're so small, most people don't. And yet this tiny little group of people who have mastered these eight laws have been responsible for most of the socially progressive changes that have occurred in American history going back to colonial period, to abolition, penal reform, public education, women's rights, women's suffrage, the ecological movement, uh, nuclear freeze. All of those things began with a tiny group of Quakers. And so it shows that even though you are, you know, you may be uh, on paper a completely powerless little group of people, nonetheless, by the choices that you make, the attitudes that you hold, you can create massive social change. And I wanted to explain to people how to do it. Okay, and let's pick that up after the break. And 
talk about making compassionate, life-affirming choices. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. While you're listening to the commercials, click on the link to sign up for my newsletter. You'll receive the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving process from my best-selling book, which will help you release hidden fears and blockages to hearing your soul, your true self, your inner wisdom, healing at deep levels, and getting what you truly want in life. This process came to me in that space that Robert Moss talked about between sleeping and waking. It continues to be a gift that helps my clients heal more profoundly and faster than would normally be expected. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Stefan Schwartz to talk more with us about how you can and create personal and social transformation. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and reimaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. listening to uplift your life nourishment of the spirit with dr paula joyce to reach the show today please call 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 you may also send an email to dr paula joyce at gmail.com that's dr paula joyce at gmail.com now back to uplift your life nourishment of the spirit If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm so glad we're here with Stefan Schwartz talking about this very important topic of creating personal and social transformation. Stefan, I truly um, appreciate your being here and this whole topic of nonviolence. And so... Um, making life-affirming, compassionate choices and creating changes in individual. Will you talk with us a little more about that? Yes, actually, this is the secret to the whole business. Here's the thing, and if your listeners will do this, I guarantee you that they can change the world. I mean, it comes with a guarantee. I know because... (laughs) 
People have done it before and have demonstrated it. So this is not theoretical or philosophical or some kind of speculation. This actually works. Here it is. Make the decision from the time you hear this program that from this that day forward, you will become aware that you are making these little quotidian choices, these little mundane choices. First of, first of all, that you'll become aware you're making the choice. Second, that of the options available to you at that time, in that moment, that you will consistently choose the one that is life-affirming and the most productive of wellness. Wellness from the individual to the planetary. That you consistently do this and that you tell ten friends that you are doing it and invite them to join you and in turn to ask ten of their friends. So you have thousands of people that listen to this show. You think about this for a minute. We know that when 10% of any cohort, whether it's a community or a nation or a discipline group or a religion, whatever, when 10% of the cohort change their consciousness, the whole cohort flips. We, have, we know that based on research that was done at Van Rensselaer Polytech Institute. So you do this. You individually, every day, all these little choices, you become aware of the choices you're making, You of the options that are available to you, you consistently choose the most compassionate and life-affirming and wellness-productive one as you understand it in that moment. Now, none of the choices may be good choices, but one of them is inevitably going to be better than the others. So you do that, you make this commitment as a discipline, you tell ten friends that you're doing it, invite them, and ask them that they in turn ask ten of their friends. Well, if we were to start, let's just say we started with 10,000 people. If 10,000 people would do this, then you would have 100,000 people. Then you would have a million people. Then you would have 10 million people. So you can see there are 317 million people in the United States. And um, in, in terms of the, just the voting population, we need to get about 24 million people to commit to this. And if we would do this, we would create massive nonviolent social change. Because, as I said, nonviolent change succeeds 75% of the time, violent change only 25%, and nonviolent change is inclusive and long-enduring, and violent change is exclusive and, low, and, and no, does not endure long. So just the people listening to this radio program could, in fact, change the whole course of American history. That's how slavery ended. That's how women got the vote. That's how we are beginning to finally address issues like universal health care. All of this is a result of changes in consciousness by ordinary people and the choices that they make. And since this is a show that is listened to all over the world, 
we're really talking about change that could create peace in the entire world, starting with individuals making that choice and not and, and, and instead of complaining about not liking the choices, saying, okay, maybe they're not the ones I would have chosen, but we don't always get to choose the choices, but we do get to choose which choice we make. That's right, and which is the, even though they're bad choices, one of them is inevitably better than another. Let me illustrate this, how powerful this can be, and tell you a story about Gandhi. Just before he was assassinated in 1948, Gandhi was asked, a reporter came up and asked him in his ashram, you know, he said, Gandhi, my editor wants to know, how is it possible that you were able to force the British to leave India. The Britain saw India as the crown jewel of their colonial empire. They were this enormously militarily powerful country. How did you force them to leave India? And Gandhi's answer makes this point very clearly. He said, it isn't what we did that mattered, although that mattered. It isn't what we said that mattered, although that mattered. It was the nature of our character that made the British choose to leave India. Gandhi understood that when you change mass consciousness, everything changes. Martin Luther King understood that. He learned it from Gandhi. Interestingly enough, Gandhi learned it from Thoreau who wrote, uh, when he was up in Weldon Pond, wrote a little essay called Civil Disobedience. And Gandhi is a young Indian lawyer who had working, who had come from into India and was uh, working as a young lawyer, was trying to find a way to, to figure out how to create a process that would give India independence. And he read Civil Disobedience by Thoreau, and he adopted it, and he used it, and that's how it happened, and that's how the civil rights movement happened. And we can have that huge impact on an international level just by being who we are and making better, healthier, more compassionate choices every day. And then people see what we're doing. Not only can we ask other people to do the same, but people see and respond to the change. Exactly. That- <laughs> exactly. It is your beingness. It is who you are, the nature of who you are, that is what brings about this change. Absolutely. You can see, when I, when I was doing the eight laws, I, I, it's in three parts. The first part is, you know, what is the process and how do you do it? And the second part is stories of people who did it. And the third part is all the neuroscience and social science that explains why it works. But I'll just give you another example. This is a story about a, a, a non-profit uh, foundation called Bead for Life. And Bead for Life began in uh, Uganda when a woman whose husband was an AIDS researcher went over to, to uh, Africa to accompany her husband, who'd been hired to teach doctors how to deal with AIDS, and she saw a woman, as she became a volunteer herself, she saw a woman who made these beads out of 
a newspaper or a magazine that had been thrown away. She tore out the colored pictures and rolled them into little beads. And that that simple little thing by a woman who'd never been to Africa, didn't know anything about it, who was there for a few months originally before she got started in this, became this organization called Bead for Life, which now has several thousand women involved in it, and it has transformed these formerly impoverished women who were living in the dump, imagine living in an African dump, who lived in this dump into desirable middle-class, financially stable women. And it was all done, no government helped, she had very little money to do this. It was simply that she created collective intention, and she was able in that way to literally transform the middle class of Uganda. The individual can make a difference. And I'm wondering how when people stand up and speak differently than their cohorts, how do you get over the fear of failure, persecution, or just being different? Well, you know, you know one, of the, one of the eight laws is you have to be willing to do the work even though you're not going to get credit for it. And another one is that you need to be willing to do the work even though you don't achieve the goal in your lifetime. I got that from the abolitionists. You would read their letters. Now, these were people who were not only persecuted, I mean, they were violently threatened, and, and uh, particularly in the South. I mean, it was worth your life to come out as an abolitionist. And yet they persevered, and if you read their letters and their diaries and contemporaneous accounts, they say things like, slavery is a moral evil, and I am not going to in any way participate in this, and I'm going to do everything I can to stop it. I don't know whether it will happen in my lifetime. I don't know whether I'll even get noticed from anything I'm doing, but it is simply a moral evil, and I'm going to do it. And you see this from ordinary men and women who simply took this on because they saw it as something that was morally wrong, uh, ethically wrong, and they put their time and their energy into doing it, and they were able to achieve it. And, and I'm reminded of what I was taught, and that is that it's not for up to us to finish it. It is up to us to participate, to begin, and to participate the ta- in the task, whatever it is that we want to see accomplished. That is, that, that's correct. I mean, you have to become a participant. You can't just stand on the sidelines. But you don't have to... It's not required of you that you become um, a public figure or that you give all your money over or that you do something violent. None of that is... All that's required of you is, first of all, that you change your own consciousness, that you recognize the shift in your own consciousness. That was Gandhi's point. And the second is that you make this pledge about these quotidian choices, that the choice you're going to make is always going to be the compassionate and life-affirming one. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what religion or race or ethnic group you belong to. It doesn't matter what country you're in. None of that matters. Everyone has the power 
to create change. And I love the um, research that you refer to talking about how happiness and wellness spread. Oh, yes. That was when I was doing this research, that was one of the things I, I was particularly heartened about. We now have a number of studies that show that happiness spreads like a virus. It, it's good contagious. <laughs> I mean, if you go in, for instance, to your dry cleaner and you look at him and instead of the grumbling or something and you say, oh, I hope you're having a good day and, oh, thank you very much. This is very nicely done. What happens is is that it it changes their consciousness. Just that little exchange that just sort of mundane pleasantries changes their perception of the day and that this ripples out, the research shows, at least six generations, six iterations, I guess, six circles. So that person then treats the next person a little better, and it just goes through a community like a virus, only a happy virus. It reminds me of random acts of kindness that was um, popular a number of years ago, and people were really into it, and we should still be into it. (laughs) Yes. Random acts of little kindness, little graces, little politeness things, little courtesies, all of those things change the nature of your perception of your day. They change your consciousness. And when you change your consciousness, the people in your immediate circle, their consciousness is also affected. So we, can, we have the power to do this. We are not powerless. The fact that we don't have armies or official positions or great sums of money does not mean we cannot create change. And I would argue we must create change because we are facing a unique historical world civilization threatening change with climate change. And Yes, and I remember leadership uh, studies also showed that you can lead from the middle. You don't have to be at the top. And yes. that's really what you're saying. Anywhere within um, any organization, including the world, you know, we can lead from where we are. Yes, absolutely. I mean... You, you look at Mother Teresa, who just got made, got made into a saint. I mean, I had a good friend who was a journalist who went over and spent time with her, and she really disliked her theology. She said her theology was medieval, but her commitment to caring was transcendental. And she, was, she said, even as I listened to her and disagreed with her theology, all I wanted to do was call up my editor and say, I'm not coming back, I'm going to go work on this. Because that when your beingness changes, and it is in a life-affirming way, everybody is touched by that. That's a beautiful place for us to close out. I truly appreciate your having been on the show and sharing this very important information of how we can all create nonviolent transformation through our own commitment to make compassionate, life-affirming choices. Thank you so much, Stefan. My pleasure. 
And last Sunday, I helped people make compassionate, life-affirming choices by filling themselves with love during the I'm Awakening guided meditation that I led. In our January 7th show this year, Psychic Dwan Washington told us how critical it is that we bring this new energy of love from the divine feminine into the world. Since fear and love cannot exist in the same space, this process helps to push out fear and replace it with love. As we fill with love, we automatically spread it everywhere we go. This love helps us heal physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and helps us balance the yin and the yang, the masculine and feminine energy. The masculine energy has dominated the world for several centuries. For love and peace to prevail, we must balance this energy with the divine feminine aspect of love. After the meditation, I sent a note of gratitude and got some beautiful responses. I want to share two of them with you. A new participant and wrote, Paula, thanks for the beautiful meditation yesterday. I was really tired this afternoon and stressed out from work. I feel better now just knowing I can choose love over fear. Thanks for the reminder. This next one is from someone who has been coming regularly to my monthly events. Dr. Paula, funny to get your note today. I just had a routine checkup with my Blood pressure was down in the normal range for the first time in many, many years. I haven't changed a thing diet and exercise-wise, and I don't take meds. For expecting my normal lecture from the doctor, he looked up from the blood pressure reading and asked, What have you been doing? I just smiled and said, Meditation, my friend. I feel like something is shifting for the good. It's just beginning, and it feels right with love. If you want me to conduct the I'm Awakening in your area, please contact me through my website. And thank you or um, through um, drpaulajoyce.com. And thank you for joining us for Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. For more information on our guests, please visit Stephan A. Schwartz. It's S-T-E-P-H-A-N aschwartz.com and purchase his book off the resources page on my website. If you enjoyed today's show, please click on the link to like us on Facebook, then click on the link to my resources page to purchase Stefan Schwartz's book, The Eight Laws of Change, and go to my store to purchase my books. Then learn about my services, including coaching, speaking, energy healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor one of my experiential workshops such as overcoming abuse or self-empowerment, 21 steps for healing the body, energy healing, the I'm awakening, the ultimate creative problem solving process. And if you mention this show, you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching, which I do in person over Skype or on the phone. When you work with me, you get support, guidance, and healing from the spiritual realm, the archangels and thousands of angels and guides of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and directly with my clients. My process connects your mind, body, and soul resulting in 
faster progress and profound healing emotionally, mentally, and physically. Then click on the link to register for financial abundance, what you don't know, and then go to the calendar of events and press click here to send me an email with your feedback or a question about a difficulty in your life, an inspirational story, or whatever is on your mind. Contact me at 214-736-4460 or send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. If you live in Dallas, I invite you to experience my ultimate creative problem-solving process. Just click on the meetup link on this page. Please join us next Thursday when Robin Braun will join us to talk about the law of attraction, and how your words matter. This is Dr. Paula, your CM, or chosen mom, as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Until then, have a positive week.